You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, so the first is Svasemis on Pashas Vayeshev, before we get to Hanukkah, on page 178. He, on the top right, this is from Tav Reish Nun Vav, which is 1896. Medrash, he quotes the Okay, so without all the complexities of what he's assuming you already know, he's citing the fact that our sages use the term Vayavo Rogez and this wrath came twice in the Torah. Once, when Yaakov was Bikish Leishev Vishalva, he wanted to live in a state of serenity. And we say that the rogez, the anger, the wrath of Yosef came. And then the second time is when the Jewish people were trying to relax and have a good vacation in the wilderness, that Amalek came by Yobo Rogez. So he points out, fascinating, he says, it's interesting, we actually just had a Malik. Because the end of Parshas Vayishlach is the whole family of Esav, of one of whom, who would become the greatest enemy of the Jewish people, and represent all of Esav, is Amalek. Now I've explained, Yaakov's most significant attribute is MS. Everyone's heard this, emet, truth. That's why, as we've discussed in other classes, Yaakov is constantly being challenged in the world of truth. What's the midah of Yosef? Yosef is shalom, peace. That's why the whole challenge in his life is to try to make peace. What? Well, Mo- well, Moshe is Amos and Aaron is peace to a certain extent. That is true, although there are different versions of it. They're more Netzach and Hod, which is a different concept. But they're related to that idea. Even with the Batam Ra'ah? Well, no, exactly. The fact that you see that Yosef is being challenged in the area of peace, that means that that's his area where he was exceptional. Umulzeh, who is the opposite of truth and who is the opposite of peace? The opposite of truth is Esav. Oh, some people would say Lavan is the opposite of truth. But no, Lavan is the Arami. Everyone knows he's a swindler. The intemptive. Right. Everyone, so everyone's playing along with him, but everyone knows that he's the con man. So that they might not be able to read his con and know how he's tricking them, but they knew that them. Asaph actually seemed like, how do I tithe the salt? He actually looked like, so he says, Shav Vishakar is Milchama ukatata war and quarreling is Amalek. Vuhu shegaram hasina ben hashvatim. He says that it was the effects of Esav and Amalek which was actually affecting the Jewish people, and that's what causes the fight between the brothers. He says it's the association with Esav and Amalek. Had Yaakov somehow managed to completely distance himself from his brother and from his nephews and from his Grandnephew, Amalek, 
then Yaakov's sons would not have been affected, but because there was this interaction, there was the peacemaking, there were the gifts and the, and the time spent together, he says that actually is what has an effect when you mix yourself with the nations of the world. You know, many people tell themselves that, you know, Jews can live amongst Gentiles and we can all be friends and it won't have any effect on us. We'll teach our children, but you see in communities that there's more interaction so, yeah, there's many people who manage to keep their kids safe, but there's a greater number or level of assimilation. Now, you might say, well, that's still better than being separate, and we're not debating that, but it's still true that the level of assimilation is higher in communities where they feel like we have to fit in more than in areas where they keep it uh, separated. Again, this isn't about which way should be done, but he's just saying that, that's, that this animosity, falsity, fighting is really the result of Yaakov having too close a relationship with Esav. He says now, because we are in Esav's children's exile, that's why we can't get along. Because Esav represents falsity, and Amalek represents quarreling, and that's why every single thing that happens in the Jewish community involves lies and fighting. It involves, there's politics with everything. There's politics about, uh, I've seen politics about parking spaces and politics about who gets to wear a certain hat. And, and you know, this, why? Why are we fighting about the silliest of things? And in families, in families, there's people who are, won't talk to each other because, because of, of almost nothing. He says that's the effect of being amongst Esau and Amalek. Amalek represents fighting. <laughs> And it affects us to the point where we fight for no reason. But if Hashem wants us to have Akdus, don't we have some special protection to make that uh, not such a difficult... So we have to overcome that. that. Well, that's what he says. How do we overcome that? So we have to tag on to Yaakov, who represents truth, and that helps us overcome falsity. And we have to learn from the story of Yosef how to get along better so that we can overcome that. I mean, that's exactly what he's saying. So he says, what's the difference between MS and Shalom? Beautiful concept. MS, truth, is your relationship between me and God. In other words, when you get along with God, that's truth. I accept what God does for me, and I understand that God knows what's best, and I recognize the truth. While peace and Yosef represents truth between people. People are connected. That's a separate point. But basically what happens is that Yaakov wants to live in a state of shalva, in a state of serenity, because he had perfected himself in his area of between him and God, but we had not yet completed the relationship between Jews, the Ben Adam Lachavero. That still needed fixing, and the story of Yosef is where all of the poison, all the junk of what exists in disagreement between people came out between Yosef and his brothers, and they worked through it, and they struggled, and it took all their lives. And eventually that would result in all the Jew- Jewish people coming at Har Sinai ki Ishachad Belevachad. Of course, we messed it up afterwards. But the beginnings of being able to get along, the struggles of Sinas Chinam, 
and uh, the and um, the struggle between the brothers begins in here in Parshas Vayeshev. <coughs> okay. Now that we've seen Vayeshev, let's learn about the Yantav of Hanukkah. So, if you turn to page two hundred and two. As we mentioned many times, the Svasemes could teach you Torah and you could go home with it and uh, just think about it. But that's not enough for him. He wants that whenever you learn something, you should apply it to your daily observance. And here we see his Torah, which he shared in Tafresh Lamed Gimel, which is 1873. We're going to see what he said on the third night of Hanukkah. And we're going to see what he said on the sixth night of Hanukkah. And again, I want you to um, recognize how he's speaking to his community members, trying to motivate them directly, and how you can apply this starting tonight. <coughs> on night three, on page 202 on the left side, Lel Gimel. Timu kol hashmanim. They contaminated all the oils. You say this, What do you mean? They didn't contaminate all the oil. They missed one. See, he says, Even though one jug of oil remained, But it was underground. That's why it wasn't found. Technically, it wasn't in the Hechal because it was under the ground. So somehow, there was a miracle as if this jug of oil hid itself under the ground. Interesting. It's just the word yeah, well, it means to be hidden. So says the Sfas Emes, it seems to me, that this is the real miracle of Hanukkah. Not the war. Not the menorah burning for eight days. The real miracle of Hanukkah is finding a jug of oil. Because the Greeks contaminated every jug of oil. As you mentioned in Wednesday night's class, they hired, they told one of the soldiers, go in, open every jug of oil, and touch it. This was not a persecution of, against the lives of the Jewish people. This was a religious persecution. You believe in impurity and impurity? That was this guy's job. He was to come out with a list of all the jugs of oil and that he had touched every one. That's why they, if they're just breaking, when you break things, you miss things. This isn't breaking. This is a systematic touching of all. Nishar This one jug of oil remained. How? How does a jug of oil remain from soldiers doing a sweep? They wouldn't have missed a bomb, but they missed a jug of oil. The answer is, Because there was one jug of oil that was outside the physical realm. This jug of oil was not in the physical realm. It was not tangible oil at the time that it was hidden. In other words, the miracle was not that the menorah burned for eight days. It was miracle oil 
And that's why he was going to burn as long as you need it. The miracle was that there was a jug of oil that took on a more ethereal state. And this is true of every miracle outside of nature. One of the most famous questions of Hanukkah, the question that literally has thousands of answers. There's a book with 500 answers. There's a book with a thousand answers. People love to collect answers on this question. And the question simply put is, if there was enough oil for one day in the jug, then why do we celebrate eight days if there was no miracle the first day because there was enough oil for it to burn one day, the miracle was only the next, the following seven days. This is attributed to the Beit Yosef, to the Beit Yosef, Yosef Cairo, as if this is called the Beit Yosef's Kasha. However, he's not the first one to ask it, but he is the one who made it famous, and so it will remain forever the Beit Yosef's question. This Beis Yosef's question, Beis Yosef himself offers three answers. Every commentary, every rabbi that's ever spoken. In fact, it became a custom that every rabbi, whenever he speaks any time about Hanukkah amongst the big darshanim, they'll give a drush on any topic about Hanukkah, and then they'll finish with, instead of, you should see the building, the Beis Amikdash, Bimher Biyamenu, which is the standard closing, they'll finish with, and this answers the Beis Yosef's question, and, <laughs> and they'll, they'll explain. I mean, that's just the way to do it. So, here you have, that he says, he says, of course there was a miracle the first night, Gamkein. Because of the miracle of the jug. Meaning, yeah, the fact that it even existed. And this was a jug on a spiritual state because it was hiding from the Greeks. Is there some connection between um, the pach uh, that... Uh, uh, Yaakov went back for yeah yeah for sure for sure this is, it's not our topic I mean that's a whole another topic same but, but yeah, yeah yeah for sure for sure there's a lot a lot of Torah and the on the Pachim Ketanim of Yaakov the woman got all the oil for, you know, yeah that, that, never that, yeah, that's a not, that's a similar kind of concept but yeah for sure mm-hmm. so for sure the miracles that we found it Right, the miracle is that we found it, and this oil is somewhat miraculous itself. So it, even the fact that it burned the first day was all part of the miracle. However, as we've mentioned many times, this Fasemus grew up in the house of his grandfather, the Chedushi Arim. My master, my teacher, my grandfather, Zechronel of Racha Amar, he said, that this jug is an illusion. That in you, in every one of us, there is also a jug of oil. You see where he's going? There is a point, the pintaliyid in every Jew. God protects. That there should be no touch of any Gentile. That's why you say in your davening, Baruch Atah Hashem, Magain Avraham. Avraham, you should read it as, of course, Hashem is the shield of Avraham, but Avraham no longer needs a shield. No, Hashem has protected the Avraham, that spark that's within you. Now, obviously, everyone sees where he's going, so let me lay it out more clearly. 
There are Jews who have fallen into Hellenism. Today, the Hellenism looks a little differently. It looks like, it looks like secularism. It looks like there are Jews who have fallen away into a place where they don't believe, where they don't recognize their Judaism. They might, they might even not like the fact that they're Jewish. Says the Sfas Emes, you should know that that is the, so to speak, them allowing the Greeks to enter into their sanctuary and contaminate all the oil. But they will never get all the jugs of oil, even if they walk in there with a list uprooting and disgracing all the Judaism that's within them, they will never contaminate that one jar of oil that's in each and every Jew. That jar of oil is called Avraham. That jar of oil. So he says, what was on this jug of oil? The seal of the Kohen Gadol. Who is the first Kohen Gadol of the Jewish people? Not Aaron. Avraham. Avraham. So while, again, when the, the, um, in the literal story, there was a jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol. But he's saying the illusion here is that the, the Maccabees were looking around and they said, okay, here we were. We were, we were five people, six people. I am Matisio and his five sons. They stood up. And how many joined them? Thousands against the Greek armies of tens and tens and tens of thousands. It was, you know, 2,000 soldiers against 100,000 soldiers, and they won. But there were hundreds of thousands of Jews in Eretz Yisrael who were just minding their own business, saying, why start with the Greeks? We like the Greeks. It's good. It's a good thing. They were, they were Hellenized. They became um, people of the... Greek, and this was the vast majority of the Jewish people who said, listen, it's prohibited to keep Judaism, so let's just go, go, we have to save our lives. It's only these few people. So they're looking around, going, how are we ever going to get these Jews back? And the message to them was that there was a jug of oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, that every one of these Jews that you're looking all over the world, who look like they're far from Judaism, they all have a jug of oil that someone could light. Is that why converts <clears throat> B'nai Avraham? Because maybe that they were well for sure well yeah they're, they're, they're the children of Avraham right. however they did not walk in if it was such a miracle they should have walked into the temple and seen a jug of oil suspended midair and said, oh, this is the miracle jug of oil. That's not what happened. They searched. Says Nigamar Badku. Why did they search? Why did they look? Don't they think that the Greeks could do a thorough job? The answer is that's not the way it works. We are looking to light the menorah. And we're going to do our task. We're going to undertake our, the expectation on us, which is to look and so they spread everyone through and someone find it. You have to believe that there may be something hidden there. You search within yourself, of course, is what he's saying. You will find that jug of oil if you look. That teaches you that you have to look. So Chanukah is about every person 
Actually, you would have to do this today so that you can light tonight. Today, on Erev Hanukkah, everyone needs to be searching within themselves for that jug of oil. That's the lamps of Hanukkah that illuminate. So that we can find that hidden point. Because in the same way, in this exile, Every person has one point inside of them that has never and will never be contaminated. So in the soul of every person, there's a little point. Which is your soul given to you by God above. That's probably what the point of the dreidel symbol is. Spinning on that point. The point of the dreidel. Oh, the hamitzvos hemneiros. Now I need a candle because you can't search without light. So you have mitzvahs. Ner mitzvah. Mitzvahs are candles. Shenucha limza nikude hanal. So every mitzvah is a candle. Every time you do any mitzvah, every time you return a lost object. Every time that you honor your parents, every time that you keep Shabbos, that's a ner, ner mitzvah. And you could use that to illuminate inside of you and find that jug. But you know when it works really well? When the mitzvah itself is a candle. (laughs) Every mitzvah is a candle. But when the mitzvah of a candle is a candle, that's especially powerful. Ne'er Hashem nishmas Adam, the light, the lamp of Hashem is the soul of man, chofis kochadre baten, to search through all the chambers inside. Ubizman zeh, but at these mitzvahs, sheyesh mitzvah beneris, where the mitzvah is actually a candle. Niftachim kal devarim, shenikraim neiris, it, these lights, will put a flame on every one of your mitzvahs. Let me say that again. When you light the Hanukkah candles, you're not just lighting one flame. This flame, picture all your other mitzvahs being like mirrors or separate wicks that will catch fire. When you light that candle, all your mitzvahs will be on fire. In theory, your soul will be a chamber with a million candles burning. Came any of the mitzvahs? She called. Work for Shabbos candles too. He, he talks about Shabbos candles <laughs> elsewhere, and he, he does say it works for Shabbos candles, but not quite the same way because uh, Shabbos candles are um, you know, a whole separate concept. Yeah. That would make me think that you know, since we have so many people who don't do anything else but they light Shabbos, they light Hanukkah candles, that there should be some sparks there where right there should be there should be and because as he's learning if they would light the Hanukkah candles and just look down they would see the jug of oil they have to look it doesn't you just look just start searching and then you'll find it I look at yourself yeah. yeah. If they would light their candles and then they would stop and say, you know, what is this all about? And there would be, there would be something. So just like on, uh, we're getting ready for Pesach, we're in Pesach, and now we're going around searching every chamber in our house for uh, 
Right. Very much like Badika's Chametz. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Right. right. Okay, so let's read that again. Um, it was at this time. She has mitzvah beneris. The mitzvah involves candles. If Tachim called Devarim Shinikraim Neris, what happens is you open up all areas referred to as candles. He came him inyan mitzvahs, because this is the way mitzvahs work. Everything that's connected to that mitzvah in name or through allusion is elevated through the mitzvah as it says in the verse whatever that verse is referring to in Tehillim. This is all on the third day of Hanukkah. Three days later we're going to keep reading Three days later, he gets together with his Hasidim once again and continues the same theme. So as you can see, the next paragraph is Lel Vav on the sixth night of Hanukkah. A true love gave to us. Adoni Avizikeni Avizel. My master, my grandfather, my teacher, my Rebbe of blessed memory. Higid b'shem Rabbi Seinuzal cited in the name of his teachers Pirish HaGemara to explain an interesting Gemara. There is a chapter called Bamemad Likin. This is customarily read in Shul by all Ashkenazi and most Sephardi congregations on Friday night. Amongst the Hasidim, they don't do Bamemad Likin, they do Kigavna. And, but that's only because you're supposed to do, because they, they read I know Sephardim do it twice because they do the eight chapters of Mishnayos by each of the meals. So the Hasidim said, why do it twice? Instead we can do Kigavna. So it turns out the Hasidim don't end up doing it, which misses. But on Friday night you're supposed to recite the second chapter in Masech the Shabbos called Bamem Adlikin, which lists all the oils that are kosher for Shabbos to light as, as, um, as Shabbos candles. The reason why we have very specific oils that we can use is because once you light your Shabbos candles, you can't relight them because you've accepted Shabbos, especially. So you have to have oils that will burn nicely, you have to have oils that will burn um, correct, um, um, peacefully, and you have, oil, you have to have the kinds of oils where no one would be tempted on Shabbos to relight or even to adjust the flame in any way, which is why we have a long list, these kinds of oils do work, and these kinds of oils don't work. Says the Gemara, Psilos Ushmanim She'ein Madlikim B'Shabbos Those wicks and those oils which you cannot use to light your Shabbos candles, Madlikim B'Chanukah, you can use them to light the Chanukah menorah. This is difficult. We know that in Hanukkah there's just as much an requirement that it should burn for a certain amount of time. We want the candles to look nice. We want the flame to be a hidur mitzvah. We want to, so why shouldn't we? Now, of course, there's a concept of olive oil, but not because olive oil burns nicely, which is the reason why many use olive oil on Shabbos, but the reason why we use olive oil preferred on Hanukkah is because the miracle happened with olive oil. But that's only a nice minhag. Your yotze with whatever you use. In fact, you could be yotze with flashlights if someone's traveling on an airplane. So, because we don't have the same level of requirements um, on on uh, on Hanukkah as we do on Shabbos, can be relit. Well, yeah, you, we relight it, but technically, you could be yotze according to some opinions. Even if you don't, as long as it was able to burn it. Mm-hmm. 
So he says the reason is everyone takes strength here. Because there are souls that can't be elevated even on Shabbos. They could be elevated on Hanukkah. There are people, including ourselves, parts of us, which we know Shabbos has the ability to elevate all of creation. It says you should know that there are some things that are so lost they can't be elevated even on Shabbos, meaning everything can always be elevated. But Shabbos itself doesn't have the power to bring these people up, but they can be elevated on Hanukkah. And the allusion to this is, as we'll see, these flames and these wicks, which we would say on Shabbos, that's not good. That's not considered burning on Shabbos. On Hanukkah, it's good. Hanukkah will work. And so he said, the nefesh, the word nefesh, which means soul, Nutrikun ner psila shemen. Ner is a candle, psila is the wick, and shemen is the oil. Ner is really the container that holds it, psila is the wick, and shemen is the oil. When you are lighting, ner Hashem nishmas adam, everyone must understand this. You are literally lighting your nefesh. Your nefesh is a vessel. That's the nun, is the ner, with a psila, a wick inside, and shin is the oil, that's nefesh, ner psila shemen. Upsila psila so the non-kosher wicks, she'or mesachsechaz behem, which the flame kind of flickers on it, on, off, on, off. Do you know anyone whose Judaism is flickering? Maybe, maybe ourselves. Why does a wick flicker? It's because it's unable to make the connection. It's unable to draw up the oil and connect to the air. It's unable to make that connection, but it's on, off, on, off. And most of us are kind of like that. You know, sometimes we're making that connection. Our bodies are connected to Hashem on high, and sometimes we're off. And so we are the bulb, which we look at and go, that's really annoying, it's flickering. Someone should change that bulb. Well, someone needs to change our bulbs. And that, that's what he's saying, those flames that, the hainu. There is that inner dot that the Sasemis had talked about three days ago. Bechal Ish Yisrael and every Jew. She'en sham maga nachri where no Gentile can touch. You've got the oil in you. Everyone has a jug of oil. But I need a wick that can connect to that oil and burn to the flame. And that's what we're trying our whole lives to do, is to access and make ourselves the proper wick for that flame. You've all got the battery. We've just got loose connections. And we need to strengthen those connections. So how do we fix it? So, as we've learned so far, the mitzvah of the menorah is going to be your way that you're going to light your soul. But it's not enough. Because we also need to come in, sometimes the wires, they've got some rust on them, sometimes they've got some uh, battery acid on them. We need to bring in some cleaning materials and clean out the connections. You know what those are? The answer is 
what this Yom Tov is all about, Halal and Hoda'ah. Halal means praising Hashem, Hoda'ah is gratitude or thankfulness. If you make sure that during Chanukah you have the proper halal, praising to Hashem, and the proper hodah, gratitude to Hashem, you will fix your connections and you will find that your energy, spiritual energy is flowing better and your flame is burning bright. Why? Because the first point of rejoicing and gratitude is to be happy with who you are. You give thanks to Hashem for the fact that you are merited to be a member of the Jewish people. Well, well, Isaac Shir is a further stage. But he's saying just when you're standing at the Hanukkah candles, you say, I could have not been in this place. And yet I am going to do it. I am grateful how lucky I am to be in this place for the miracles that were done to us and then he says when you rejoice in this jug of oil that's inside of you and you're grateful for being part of this he says what happens is everything gets cleansed the jug of oil the wick inside it you light the fire and it burns nicely. All the junk that's on the, on the wick, which is blocking the flow of the oil, is removed. And there are two separate points. Halel, which is the halal that we say each day. And hoda is mainly in the Al-Hanisim. Shahalel hu shabach. Halel is to praise Hashem. So first... You, have to, you can't praise Hashem unless you recognize the truth. As we say, what's the first three words in Hallel, besides Hallelujah? Hallelujah, Avdeh Hashem. They will sing to you and praise to you the servants of God. You kind of have to already be connected to Hashem and serving Hashem to say Hallel. Hallel is a really big deal. In order to say Hallel, you have to already be somewhere. Everyone can always express gratitude. And that's why you're going to say tonight in your um, davening of Marv. Don't, try not to forget the first one. You know, we don't repeat Alanisim if you miss it. So that has a benefit. But it also means that if you miss it, you lose it. Try to get the first one. Make it a goal. And Mariv tonight, or if you don't have Mariv, Shachris tomorrow morning, both of those will be your gratitude that you express before your first halal, which is going to be the first day of Hanukkah. Is, is Sha'asa Nisim a type of Hoda'ah? It's, it's, it's kind of, it's more of a Pursume Nisa, but Halal Hoda'ah that the Chachamim established is the Halal and the Alan Nisim. Right? And, and if, you, if you can wash tonight, you can even add an alanisim into your benching. Even someone covered in sin. You can't polish a silver cup that's covered in dirt. You have to first cleanse the cup. And then you can polish it. So the halal is the polishing. 
Hoda'ah is that cleansing. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. You can take some soap and a towel and cleanse your soul. And that's why the word Hoda'ah, which means being grateful, also means... And it also means... Admission. Admission. Confession. It's the same word. It's all part of the process. Which means admission. Because what the Hanukkah candles, the Halal tells you, however far you are from holiness, and if this is something that you asked before, why is it that people light so many millions of Jews light Hanukkah candles and it doesn't affect them? It's because the Hanukkah candles should bring them to a state of gratefulness. And unfortunately, we live in the most great, ungrateful generation the world has ever seen. With the most to be grateful for. Right? And so therefore, they're going to have the hardest time finding. Because the flashlight to find the jug of oil is gratefulness. That's why we are grateful for the miracle. You know why grateful? To be grateful is the same word as confession. Because part of being grateful is the recognition of who you are and that you don't really deserve it. Because we're not thanking Hashem just for the miracle. For God, it's no harder to do a miracle than it is to run nature. It's us who don't deserve the miracle. Therefore we are grateful. And then once we're grateful, and we start thinking about who we are and what we deserve, then we recognize the depth of the miracle, and then we can reach the higher level of saying how. In summary, all the parts of Hanukkah are working together to illuminate that jug of oil that's inside of you, the spark, pun intended, of, um, the, of Yiddishkeit that's within every person, which is flickering sometimes and blocked. We can access that on Hanukkah through the lighting of the candles. We can each find our jug of oil. But it requires searching. It requires looking. Each of us has to look within ourselves. That process is called Halal and Hoda'ah. First Hoda'ah, being grateful and admitting, recognizing who we are and what we truly deserve. And then that leads us into a place of joy, of the Halal that we get as a result of these contemplations. And as much as this is true within each and every person, this is true of the Jewish people in general, that there are Jews out there who their um, lamps need to be relit. All these jugs of oil that have been contaminated, one jug of oil remains. Hanukkah is about illuminating not just ourselves. That's why we illuminate the entire world. May we merit that this Hanukkah, each and every one of us, should light our own souls, nefesh, ner, shem, and psila, and this should bring an illumination to ourselves, to our families, to our homes, to all of the Jewish people, and even to the entire world. Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 